You thought we were gone. You thought we had pod faded. We are back and stronger than ever. This is episode 565 of Android App Addicts. Hey, hey, Podnutsians, welcome to Android App Addicts, episode 565. This episode is brought to you not by a paid sponsorship, like I'm some kind of shill. This is a paid sponsorship from a user just like you, and their name is Kathy B. I want to say thank you very much, Kathy B., for being a former Patreon subscriber for over two years. Um, if you still listen to the show, just let us know that everything's okay, please, by an email. You can email me directly at mail at pods.com or doordoorgeek at gmail.com. Um, I just like to make sure that people who considered me enough family to help support this show directly, they're doing okay. So thank you very much for your support, Kathy. And if you would like to become a Patreon supporter and guarantee the future ad-free nature of this uh, podcast and all shows on Podnuts, to be honest, uh, just go to patreon.com slash Addicts. Links in the notes. I am joined tonight by... Josh, how's everything going, my man? Uh, things are going pretty well, Dor. It's good to see you again. It's been quite a long time, and I'm sure that everyone understands circumstances these days. And uh, it's good to be back up on the saddle. I've been doing a lot of uh, home improvements, I guess you would say. Or my mother-in-law's moved in, and so we've done a lot of um, accessibility, I guess, improvements with you know, grab bars on the toilet and grab bars for the shower. And I also spent two days putting in a an electric chair lift, which was meant to go on the right side of the stairs, but I decided that I was smart enough to put it on the left. And so uh, basically dismantled the entire thing and put it back together. And with the uh, blood, sweat, and a lot of swearing, I managed to get that up and running. So... That's kind of what I've been up to. And then when I got that done, I went to do a load of laundry and the uh, washing machine was broken. <laughs> so I spent way too much time troubleshooting that and then getting a new uh, drain pump. So I actually got that done today. So, yeah, life owning a house, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say you if you wake up and there's nothing to do left on the house, that's the day you're spouse is going to say now let's sell the house yeah that's right so because you you cannot sit still there's always going to have to be something um but i want to ask you just for giggles do you know how long it's been since we've done a show oh man i would say six weeks seven weeks it's been about two months wow. um and i will say um i take un all responsibility for there not being uh consistent shows um long and the short January, uh, decent shoulder pain in my right shoulder. Wake me up in the middle of the night, go to the orthopedic uh, doctor. They send me to go get an MRI. I get returned back from the MRI late February. They say, okay, well, you really should uh, schedule a appointment with a orthopedic surgeon. Okay. Um, I wait like three or four days, uh, call up the orthopedic surgeon. Literally two hours earlier, my governor shut down the state. And they said, well, we can see you on June the 9th. Uh, it's right now, June the 9th. I mean, I'm sorry, July the 9th, July the 9th. 
Um, I kept calling up trying to get earlier appointments. They said, nope, ain't going to happen. Because ever since late March, my left shoulder was hurting easily 10 times more than my right shoulder. And I don't go to the doctors frequently for, you know, stuff. So this was actually pain. This was ridiculous pain. Um, today I went uh, and he injected me with cortisone, gave me what I didn't know was a prescription for a oral cortisone. I thought it was always shots. Oh, what do I know? Um, literally five seconds after he gave me the shot, easily 95% of the pain completely gone. So he believes I don't need surgery. I got to go back in four weeks. Hopefully I don't need surgery. Um, all I want is the pain to be gone. So if you want to blame somebody for this show, not coming out often enough, I'm your guy. Well, I think that Ivor shares the blame um, mainly because he's not here. So why not shed it over to him a little bit? I'm not going to argue that fact. Well, as far as the cortisone go, I know that that's professional athletes. Football players will go in and have a cortisone shot at uh, halftime and they come back out and they're right as rain most of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was literally five seconds after the shot, which, of course, but as soon as he gets the, sh- puts the shot in me, he says, here comes the pointy thing. Oh, great. Oh, so I didn't even look at it. I just looked off in the distance. And for like three seconds, hurt pretty bad. You know, it's a needle. It's going to do that. But then literally two seconds after that, it was literally like stress and pain and pressure just gone. Completely gone. Now, only pain I've had since then, what I think is literally just muscle pain from me trying to control everything and not overstress myself. Um, so, yeah, hopefully everything's going to go back to normal. Oh, did you ever look at the needle? Like, how long of a needle are we talking about here? When he took it out and went over, the actual metal part of the needle was easily two inches, and it was definitely thicker than I expected it to be. And I do know the thickness of the needle is directly dependent on what they're injecting. Some things need bigger needles. Bigger needles equal more pain. So, yeah. How far did it go? I mean, they rooting around in your shoulder with it or... Well, I'll say this. Thankfully, he's, well, while he was doing this, he was super just calm and collective. Telling the junior guy, because this is Johns Hopkins Educational Institution, he was explaining to him how the best thing about getting a cortisone shot in the shoulder is there's really not a lot of spare room in there. Even if the guy has almost no cartilage, you really can't put a lot of cartilage in there. So it's very easy to know when you're hitting the right spot. And the needle looked like it could have been like maybe two or three inches filled with cortisone. And when he was done, less than half of it was gone is what it looked like. It could have been even less than that. So it didn't look like it needed a lot, but um, we're going to see how it goes is what I'll say. Does it actually go into the cartilage or something or do they just kind of spray it in there and call it good? Well, the impression I got, because I asked him a little bit, the impression I got was, When you look at the x-ray, the spot where there's nothing is cartilage because x-rays pass right through it. He said he can tell by the width of the nothing that most of my cartilage was still there. So he didn't expect it to be able to uh, take much of the cortisone. But he said um, because of the cartilage, because of the arthritis, and because of what he said it looked like tendon stress, um, you're going to feel the effect of this. And and he was right. I'm glad you're feeling better anyway. And home kind of things, yesterday carried, thankfully, piece by piece, a 150-pound headboard and frame up to my master bedroom with the help of my son. I'm not going to lie. Um, brought down the old frame, the old box spring, um, and set everything up in the bedroom. Uh, and then three days before that, took up a boxed mattress, took it upstairs. That thing was ooh, solid, compact, heavy. Uh, so it's not like I wasn't sitting around doing nothing. 
just wallowing in self-pity and pain, I still had to do fatherly, husbandly duties. So I didn't think any of that stuff helped. He told me, no, movement and exercise is the exact thing you need to feel better. Oh, so I was doing everything wrong. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> oh, and uh, just a really quick shout out. He doesn't listen to this. I don't care. I love him anyway. Named Tracy Holtz, um, the high-tech redneck. Uh, he did a podcast with me back in the days called Pod Brewers. Cheers. Love you, Tracy. And he told me, he said, look, they don't prescribe it much in America, but what you really need to do is take two acetaminophen, a.k.a. Tylenol, in conjunction at the very same time with two ibuprofen, a.k.a. Motrin or whatever you want to call it. And he said, weirdly enough, we know about these substances and how they work, but nobody can understand when you take both of them at the exact same time, two pills of one, two pills of the other, you literally can get up to six times the pain-relieving mechanic out of it. And Tracy Holtz told me the same thing like six weeks ago. So I'm embarrassed I didn't listen to him earlier. <laughs> well, I told you a long time ago there should be a, a show on here called pa, uh, sorry, Beer Nuts. I'm not going to argue because let me tell you something. Pod Brewers was maybe the most entertaining time I've ever had. We're going on a tangent. Sorry, guys. Um, there was basically two different shows in one, and this is what I liked about it. One week, Tracy and me would record a show. The next week, two awesome guys, one named Spork Saber, which was a great name, and the other one was Byer Brown, who was from Pittsburgh. Love you, Byer. Um, they would get on, and Spork was the expert. Byer was the enthusiast. Tracy was the expert. I was the enthusiast. And we would literally, one week, I would buy something, bring it home. Tracy would buy something, bring it home. And we would go over what it was, what we thought about it. Uh, and we would then go over some bit of uh, historical facts or some sort of uh, information about the brewing process that people might not have known. Tracy many times brewed his own beer. Spork Saver many times brewed his own beer. I enjoy drinking it, not making it. I'm in. And if, and if I can find the old episodes of that, I'm going to ask them if I can republish them. Because it's timeless, classically timeless content. That's the thing. I, I, I don't ever remember it. Oh, it was... About 10 to maybe 12 years ago. I feel like I yeah. was around at that point. I just, I... Um, it was around the time of Lennox Basics. So, and, and I'll say, we didn't do a great job of republishizing things because we felt like selfish, like this is really, like we shouldn't do that. But now we're past that and we don't care. Like, for instance, uh, if you would like to know all of the content that I consume, the, for instance, is in the month of June, it only has 30 days, I listen to 28 days worth and 20 hours of audio in that month in podcast. Uh, if you would like to know the podcast I listen to, I'm going through them one at a time in the new podcast, The Revolving Door. I'm literally about 90 episodes in. Um, because it's so easy to sit down and record five or 10 at a time. Cause it's literally less than five or 10 minutes to record that amount of content. Um, the average podcast is less than two minutes long. So I just get in, I mention the podcast. I mentioned the stats. I mentioned the description. I try to mention if it's explicit. I try to mention if it's, if I skip the beginning or end of it, and then I move on to the next episode kind of thing. Um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. I'll say that, um, stuff like, Linux reality is also timeless. How difficult would it be to just jam a bunch of those together? You know, have like 60 of them and make a 60 minute podcast. Hmm. Well, I still have all the source files. Not hard at all. 
not hard at all. I'll, I should be able to take the intro, slam 60 of them in, and then process it maybe 15 minutes per episode. That's, I was wondering if it makes sense just to do, you know, once a month, at the beginning of the month, do a smash session of the last month. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I'll say this. Half the people say podcaster too long. The other half of the people say podcast are too short, kind of like half the people say we underreacted to COVID-19 and the other half people say we overreacted. Guess what? You're all wrong. Okay. Joe Rogan does three hour podcast and he just got paid bank. Lots of money. Yeah. So, you know, so I'll say this on the Android front. I really don't have a lot of my own personal stuff. Um, uh, the, um, the Huawei I have, I had to replace the tempered glass screen protector, but it's still running in air quotes fine. Uh, in July 2020, it's definitely a low power device. Um, I didn't get, I didn't buy the uh, Pine Tab or the Pine Phone. They're both over a hundred dollars, so no, none of those portable devices. The only, the closest thing I have to a portable like mobile device I got was a LilyGo T Watch 2020. It's basically a ESP based touchscreen. Uh, programmable watch. If there was a calculator watch in air quotes in 2020, this is it. It's only what nerds get. I heard you talking Except about for that. I heard you talking about that. Uh, I'd be interested to hear more at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's just interesting. I'm going to get with and tinker with. But as far as Android is concerned, hardware, I haven't wanted anything. I haven't needed anything. So I haven't gotten anything. Uh, there has been more than a couple little things. I'll say in the news cycle that popped up about android hardware but do you have anything new there josh i do actually i've got my first uh smart watch i guess you would call it it's a fossil gen 5 carlisle i believe is what it's called so it uh, is sporting wear os and it's the first uh like i said it's the first one that i've ever owned i've had it for four or five days now i think i'm sort of up in the air still about it um yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I I mainly wanted it to be able to listen to podcasts while going out and running without taking my phone, and for it to also be able to track runs and things like that. Because I mean, obviously, you can see from my physique that I'm a, an avid runner. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> um, well, here's the question: What's like the feel? You know, if this was Pod Brewers and you were talking about a alcoholic beverage, I would say, how's the mouth feel? But since it's a watch, how's the look and feel? How's the fit and finish of it? It's a bit heavier than I expected, but I'm probably a bit weaker than I expected as well. Uh, the polish, it's actually good. It's got three buttons. Uh, it looks like a looks like a regular watch. Uh, has what would be the winding, I guess, of a watch. And that actually, that'll scroll the menu up and down. And it's quite it's quite fast. Um, it has it has locked up a, a little bit trying to trying to uh, use the podcast app that I've been using. So I I think some of it might be user error. Um, there's two buttons that I don't even know what they do yet. But overall, it's pretty polished. It lo looks pretty good, I suppose, for a watch. Um, as far as like, not too big in diameter, but it's just gotcha gotcha um i love the idea and i'll just put it like this i love the idea of a smart watch that doesn't mean it's good or it's going to work um i love the idea of government taking care of people but you know they don't do a good job at that either um and i'll say 
to me, a smartwatch is one of the mo- one of the most personable choices you can make because you also want to feel it, be comfortable wearing it, and have other people seeing you wear it and ask you know about it, maybe kind of thing. You, you so so you want to have confidence in it. It's one of those weird um, human relation kind of things. Uh, what I really hope is it's consistent in its sensor measurement readings, which some of the watches in the past don't do a good job. Fossil has been known to do a better job in consistency in sensor readings. Um, and I really hope the battery life works out because I do love the idea of the twisty knob as being a interface into it. It should make scrolling like ridiculously intuitive. It is the battery life. I've sort of gone through different settings to try to see how long it would last. If I'm not actually using it for much, you know, turning, putting it in airplane mode basically and not having the screen on all day, uh, and then you just push the button to see the time or whatnot, then it lasts, it lasted all day yesterday. But the first day I got it, I went out for a run that was probably 40 minutes, uh, six hours. No, 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 no. Okay. It was 40 minutes. And, uh, that pretty much killed it using GPS and the Bluetooth. So that, that took it down probably 60, 70%. See, I mean, here's the thing. The one thing I'm okay with if I was running would be to turn off wireless connectivity to a network. Because dare I say, like when mobile phones first were coming out, I remember my dad explicitly saying over my dead body, I'll have one of those things because his logic was when I go fishing, I want to go fishing the part of the reason I'm doing it is to get the hell away from all you people. Um, I have no problem saying when you're doing exercises, part of your goal should be to get away, clear your mind, not be distracted, not be thing. Unfortunately, if there's a medical emergency in your family, you're not going to know about it until you're done your running kind of thing. But that would be the one thing I'm okay with. I would definitely want GPS and those kinds of things enabled though, when I'm doing a run, because I would like to track it, trail it, map it kind of thing. So I'll say, Mixed feelings. Fossil is definitely quality, though. I do know that. They're not, you know, like the Rolex, but they're not like cheap, garbagey stuff. It is. It's. It seems like it's pretty high quality build for sure. And as far as, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like you, but not quite insane as far as listening to podcasts goes. And so on a run, I want to be listening to a podcast and with the GPS. So it doesn't have... LTE or anything like that built into it. So I'm not getting messages or phone calls. You know, it's basically just that it's basically just tracking the run and playing, playing a podcast. And it's not like I get messages or phone calls anyway, though. So because basically I have no friends. Well, you know, I'm not going to comment on that too easy, but um, now the other like Android based question I want to ask you is now my logic is I see articles i see things that make me believe it's possibly true is what i'm going to say um and that is when i'm outside doing exercises i keep thinking i would not want a headphone that like earbuds that literally go in my ear because it's going to be harder to hear things around me this is where i keep hearing and seeing tangential articles about the bone conducting type headphones um to where you can hear the whatever's coming through the player just fine, but you can also hear your surroundings as well. Have you looked at that at all? Do you care about that at all? I have not. It sounds very, very expensive. Um, I know. If you have links, shoot me some links. I've got these Bluetooth wire, like wire 
blah, blah, blah. And it, it is quite annoying. I don't mind having the anything in my ear. I'm not too bothered by, you know, I'm, I'm running on trails generally, and there are cougars and bears in the, in, around here, but I'm not worried about them being on these trails. And so it's just a matter of other people, you know, right. running into other people or people running into me. Right, yeah, because those animals don't want to, don't want you as much as you don't want them around you. No, no, animals are just like people. They just don't want to be around me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say there's been two versions of them I've seen. One of them is the bone conducting. The other one is where there's literally a headphone, but there's literally a hole right to the middle of the headphone. Um, the only kind of headphone news I got is I went back and I bought one of my old favorite wireless Bluetooth earbuds, and it's the QCY um it's actually what I found out after the fact was this is a show me made headphone, which I did not realize that. Uh, the reason I went back with this one because it has a physical button on it. Um, yeah, QCY TC1, I believe is the actual model number. Uh, the difference is it has no top on its case. Well, now I'm a 3D printer. I printed a top and it fits right on the case. Um, I like the idea of these being Bluetooth headphones because I don't have to plug them in every night. I put them in the charging case and the charging case. I only got to charge like once a week. Um, if I do do more exercising, I think I have to look at some sort of active, better staying attached to my head, uh, headphones with some sort of maybe letting me hear the outside uh, a little bit quicker sooner, but you know, not right now soon. Maybe I don't know. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think those would just pop out of your ears if you went, these, I believe, it isn't the running that really would be the kicker. It's the fact that I am a Irish pale, pale. I mean, I'm in pale. When I went to OLF and I wore shorts, people asked me what disease I had. I was so pale. Okay. Um, that and combined with the amount of sweat coming out of my body, I'm almost positive that these things have no chance in hell of staying in my ear very long. So I would have to look for something else. Um. Now, I will say the, there is actual hardware news that I actually found genuinely exciting. If the listener remembers, like two years ago, we were told that Show Me, spelled with an X in the beginning, Show Me was looking at making a quote-unquote Android TV dongle. And it kind of came out like really late, really weak, really underpowered fairly priced, but wasn't really a good, like smash you in your mouth. This is a good experience kind of thing. Um, well, there's been multiple reports, multiple rumors that came out. Now it says on notebookcheck.net, which I will say I'm visiting that website a lot here lately. Um, it says new show me me TV stick. So it's not like a official Google product, which I like better because I trust other companies to showcase what is on Google better than Google themselves? Just look at the pixels and maybe you'll understand why. Um, it says new show me me TV stick will ship next month in the U S for under 50 bucks. We'll do 4k HDR and Android TV doggle gains ECC certification too. The real question is, is, is this going to be able to do stadia and at what quality is it going to be able to do it? Um, I will say the stats on the actual, um, device did seem pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say it said, uh, I want to say eight gigs of Ram. I can't remember now. Eight gigs of Ram in that thing. Holy smokes. No. Well, I'll say this. It's not on this page. Maybe it was a rumor when I was looking at that said eight gigs of Ram, but here's the thing. If 
you go back to the archives of the 565 podcast, 300 episodes ago, I said, Android is Java. Android loves RAM. Java insists on RAM because everything is virtualized. That's how it works. Period. Hard stop. Now we're finally starting to hear other podcasts admitting, and then I'm talking about these big, huge names, popular, central-based, authoritative podcast. Oh, yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> who are starting to say there's reasons to have 8 gigs of RAMs. There's reasons to have 12 gigs of RAMs. Well, as far as Door to Door Geek's concerned, welcome to 2012. My name's Door to Door Geek. That's what I thought eight years ago. Um, so these kind of things need RAM. Thankfully... Even all these microcomputers that are coming out and all these phones that are now coming out with 8 and 12 gigs of RAM, they're driving the price of everything down. The, that's how the capitalistic capital market system works. The more something is made, the further down the price goes because everything becomes more efficient. So I really hope this thing has 6 gigs of RAM. If it has 6 gigs of RAM, I'm going to be really happy. I'm pretty sure about how it's going to work, um, but... I could have swore the one thing I read said it, it think it was going to have eight gigs of RAM. Huh. Well, speaking of eight gigs of RAM and Stadia, this, this article here is about running Stadia on a Raspberry Pi. Um, per, okay, I'm going to say that's going to have to be like the um, Steam running through a Raspberry Pi, maybe. Like, you're going to have to have another computer oh, if it actually runs natively use nothing more than raspberry pi i can't lie i'm pretty impressed i think that it might be running through chrome is that a possibility yes oh yeah well you have to here's the thing to run it on a desktop you have to run it through chrome on most raspberry pi based distributions even if it says chrome you're actually running chromium because chrome officially only builds for 64 bit now, there's new technology out there. One of them is called DOS 86, I believe it's called, which really does a good job of emulating 64-bit on ARM. So they may be using something like that. Yeah, th that's interesting because I, I can tell you, I've ran Stadia on a three to four-year-old i7 with 16 gigs of RAM, hardwired through the network, and half of the games I ran on Stadia ran like garbage. I was shocked at how bad they ran. Half the people told me the problem was I was using Linux. Okay, sure. The other half of the people said to get the best experience on all the games, you have to have a Chromecast Ultra. That kind of, I'll say, sounded believable. Um, but, 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 but I also don't have an AMD or an NVIDIA graphics card, which I do believe could have helped. I think this is just using the browser. Gotcha. And I will say I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I read it completely wrong, completely wrong, completely wrong. On GearBest.com, which don't go there, never go to GearBest unless you're okay with spending money. Okay. Uh, GearBest has a pre-population listing basically saying you can click subscribe to when it becomes available, then they'll notify you. And it says, show me me stick with Google Assistant official international version 4K HDR Netflix Quad core 64 bit Android 9.0 Android, two gigs of RAM, eight gig ROM black. Okay, so it only has two gigs of RAM. Now, that's not the end of the world. That's not the end all be all. And the example I'm going to use is the original Motorola. Um, oh man, 
It was the original Motorola with the custom processor. So you could, it was the first and almost only device where you could customize the OK Schmoogle thing to say anything. You Moto want. X. You sure it was a Moto X? I know the Moto X had that. I have had a Moto X and. Well, I got the Moto X and the Moto X2 right here, but the one that I have that has that chip is upstairs. The Moto X has that. It has the, you can, you can change the uh, OK Schmoogle and you can, and you can, you can customize gestures, I believe, as well, hand gestures. Sorry, just doing a little bit of typing here. Okay, well, here's what I'll say. Um, the Motorola that I had that was able to completely customize what the um, uh, uh, keyword was on my Motorola device was so heavily optimized that when it came out, everyone, like, laughed at how weak the phone was. These are the, you know, people that really don't understand how computers work, you know. It's all mystical magic as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but the, that Motorola was so heavily optimized because it was, I believe, the very first device that was put out after Google bought Motorola um, that it performed, it well performed, it outscored on all the benchmarks phones that were 50% more expensive. Um, so hardware does matter to a point. Software optimization matters maybe a little bit more. So show me has been putting out tons of devices, tons of devices, okay? In the last year, I'm pretty sure, pretty safe to say, they put out as much, if not more, devices than even a company like Samsung. Um, so it has a chance, I'll say, of running just fine with uh, two gigs of RAM. And I'll say on an Android in a home theater TV experience, you really shouldn't be running multiple social media apps a camera app, browser app, all these things like all at the same time, if you will. You know what I mean? You're going to basically sit down for a lean back experience and launch Netflix, Hulu, Kodi, Plex, YouTube, enter pirate stream of choice kind of thing. Um, so I think it has a chance of running fine. Even if it's 50 bucks, even if it's 40 bucks, even if it's 35 bucks, I am going to wait for reviewers to at least give me some kind of indication on how smooth does it run. I mean, thirty-five dollars, but you can't really go wrong there if it actually works. I know, but I'm pretty sure. I hate to say it, this is going to be like a forty-nine ninety-nine thing. Well, according to that link you put in Gearbest here, it's uh, oh, <laughs> thirty-five dollars and thirty-one cents. But I just realized that that's under uh, the shipping category. So, hey then. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, something not at all remotely Android related, and I wanted to bring this up because, again, I've said this, and again, I'm 99% sure I'm right. I am the first podcast with even more than 200 downloads that has mentioned KaiOS, K-A-I-O-S, completely, completely free Libra Linux-based phones. Um, that are really making a dent in the third, I'm sorry to say third world, because that's really first worlder of me, but in other countries, uh, especially in countries like India, they're selling lots and lots and lots of these things. Okay. Um, KaiOS, one of the things I said when I first heard about this, the reason I can't go with this kind of thing yet is because I listen to a great number of podcasts. So A, I need an official podcast player, but B, I have to have variable speed playback. Because on some podcasts, I go upwards of 4.5 to 5x speed. So now it's real. It's called PODLP. Uh, and it's podcast for the next billion. 
listen and subscribe using pod LP on KaiOS. So if you don't want to use an online based things, like I believe Google podcast is technically an online thing. Uh, and there's more than a couple that are out there that are web based that are fine. I'm not going to pick anyone out and say it's good or bad. I'll say they're all fine. None of them in my humble opinion are worth ditching my natively installed, um, player. I, I got no problem saying that. Um, now this doesn't have variable speed playback, but maybe me, the instant I saw this, heard this, and I heard about it on uh, pod news is the name of the podcast, um, which is mildly scummy, but that's me. Um, so now if you have a KaiOS based phone, you can actually have it podcast player on it. First thing I did when I heard it, I went to the website, I contacted him. I asked him, what did he need? What does he want? What does he desire? Um, and he basically said, this is a side project for him. He's hoping it takes off. He's hoping it gets publicity. He said, as far as coding and stuff is concerned, he says, I need nothing, uh, in that realm that, that I'm aware of. He said, what I really need is I really need the word to get out and I need people to download, play with it. Tell me what's right. Tell me what's wrong. Um, so if you were considering getting a KaiOS, K-A-I-O-S phone, mobile phone, a phone that quite honestly has much more of your own individual privacy in mind, um, then you might want to you know check it out and check out Pod LP. Um, I'm now at least considering maybe buying one of these as a secondary device because to be honest, Josh, between me and you, this might be the perfect kind of small form factor thing you can shove in your pocket. Uh, and go like for a jog kind of thing. Cause these devices are definitely physically smaller than most Android big screen phones are today. Is it possible to root a, um, Android phone with KaiOS? Are there, there's gotta be a list somewhere of, of phones that you can port over. Well, I, I'm not sure I know what you mean. I mean, you're not going to be able to connect the KaiOS phone to a Linux phone that I'm aware of and perform a root mechanism to get root on the Android device. No, I mean to to nuke and pave an Android device with KaiOS. Oh, to become yeah, KaiOS. Yeah. Um, honestly, the the last device I knew that was at all remotely capable of it was the Nexus 5. And it's only because basically no phone since then has had an open GPU blob in it. Um, I'd want to say there are some Samsung devices that they say you can install it on, but they don't like vouch for its... Um, uh, stability is the way I'll put it. Needs to say, I'll do some research between now and then. And th the main reason why I'm almost saying why bother is because I'm pretty sure you can buy a KaiOS phone, use it even in Wi-Fi mode only with GPS only for less than like 50 or 60 bucks. And this uh, pod LP, uh, you will, you can listen to podcast at speed. I believe only at one X. I... Uh, I believe it's a web based player. So you can only cash. Um, like one episode at a time locally, if I read it correctly is what I'll say. Um, cause basically everything in KaiOS is a, in air quotes, progressive web app, which, you know, I still believe is the future. I do too. I think, believe that was one of my predictions at the beginning of the year was that, yeah, I believe it was yours too. Um, but, uh, that's, it's kind of a deal breaker for me though. I know. I know. Well, let's not get disappointed or let's not feel, uh, Depression over that. Let's quickly change. Well, topic. I've got um, actually. I'd another... like to keep it on this topic for just one second, if you don't, uh, because I'm not sure. sure if if it happened since our last episode, which was what'd you say six months ago, um, that 
Android or uh, Android uh, podcast addicts was actually dropped from the Google Play Store again for it was at least several days, I believe. Do you remember that story? Yeah, it was like the third time in the last two to three years that Google's automation machine, because, you know, you can't blame people when the algorithm does it, um, like temporarily blacklisted and banned them and took them down from the Google store, which I'll say for a small developer, that's literally like cutting the guy's wrist and then telling him, ah, don't worry, the ambulance will be here soon enough. Um, and then waiting like days to call the ambulance. It is not, it is very unhealthy for a small one person team to have that kind of effect to them. Especially since the, the reason behind it was that the, the, the player was playing podcast, which went against the, the CDC as far as coronavirus goes. And which were the exact same podcast that the Google podcast player played. Every single podcast player in the world played. I know. Uh, I honestly believe, let's start conspiracy theories. I honestly believe there are fans that are fanatical for other players that work inside Google. Um, uh, for one reason or another, the podcast addict does not seem to get equal fair treatment uh, compared to the other podcast players. And maybe it's because he gains too much attention. Maybe it's because he's not a multi-party team developing this who can actively have open conversations with Google lights um, to like, you know, set things straight before stuff goes boom. Um, I don't know what, how the reason could be justified for these kind of things to really only happen to him that I'm aware of. Um, but it does. Uh, thus, if you want to circumvent the beast called Google, you can simply go to Patreon slash dot com and search for podcast addict and support him directly. And I, throw my support a hundred percent behind him as well. Like I used it for many, many years now and it's, it's amazing that he's doing this by himself and it seems every few days, at least once a week, I get a notification that there are updates and, and here's what is new. You know, it's not just fixing security issues like Microsoft. It's, it's actual um, new functionality to the app. Yeah, and I agree. And But the kicker is, every time I see him do a feature update, I look and I say, well, now it's feature complete. What else can he do? <laughs> and then, you know, a week or two later, he does something else that I didn't know I needed kind of thing. Yeah. What is, Guillermo, is that? Thank you. I wasn't going to say <laughs> I think that's what it is. If you're listening, you have an amazing app. I'm pretty sure he's not listening because I tried to even, like, in, impress him. And I tried to literally like send him like uh, tweets, which of course, <laughs> Twitter. Um, I tried to send him messages on um, Patreon and Twitter, showing him like how much podcasts I listen to, thanks to his application. Nothing, completely deadpan look. And it's Xavier Guilmelli, something like that. Um, and he just completely no sold me. And I'm thinking to myself, how many people? Do you think download your player and listen to more than 24 hours podcast on the average 24 hours? <sighs> I know I'm in the 1%. Okay. So let's, uh, instead of getting stressed out about this, let's move on door. Okay. Um, to me, here's an example of silently progressive web apps, like showing capabilities kind of thing. Um, if you go to appsco.pe, I know. Apsico dot, I don't know, pervert extinguisher. I don't know. 
appseo.pe slash topless is where I go. And these are basically all the, in air quotes, progressive web apps that this guy can basically find. Um, and I'll just put it like this. The number of progressive web apps is growing leaps and bounds. There's insane numbers. And if people want to really understand what I mean by progressive web apps, if you've ever used Chrome and you tried to access a website and there was no network connected and you saw the dinosaur and the cactus and the stuff, well, if you actually sit around and interact with your keyboard, it turns out that's a game. And it's literally called Dino Game. And that's like an example of a progressive web app where you don't have a network connection per se, and everything is encapsulated in one kind of thing. Um, so all of these technically you could load on your phone and then drop all network connections and the game should work exactly like it was if you were online. Um, everything from Minesweeper, Jing Jigsaw Puzzle, Pinterest, Twitter Lite, Tinder, Google Santa Tracker, um, basically goes on and on and on definitely some snakes in there. Um, some tic-tac-toes. Um, these are the kind of things I personally believe are just going to keep slowly, methodically gaining traction, kind of like, you know, open source. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think you, I th yeah, you sent me this before. It's a, it's a good website. Um, the, the dot P E is Peru. So uh, shout out to our South American friends. Yeah, there's not, I'm not sure I've come across very many .pe websites before. The only thing that went through my mind was public enemy. <laughs> the police. Uh. Yep. Um, 911. It's a joke. Um, and you can load, I'll say this, there are plenty of non-game related applications from Flipboard, Hacker News, you know, uh, and it just, I'll say this, there's more here than you think. Of course, it's not remotely close to being the Android Google play store or the Apple uh, app store, but there's uh, definitely a, a lot on here and I'm definitely appreciative of it because sometimes I don't want to load a full app. Just give me a web app to do this one thing. Cause I only need to do this one thing like once a month. There was, since we've last talked, there's been quite a bit of news about signal which for anyone that doesn't know is a end-to-end -end encrypted messaging app. So you can use it as your default SMS app. Um, and then anyone else that has is using Signal as their default SMS app, you'll be sending encrypted messages back and forth, but you can also uh, do encrypted videos and things like that. So during the whole Black Lives Matter um, protest, is that... PC door protest. Well, yeah, protesting is healthy. Um, protests, it's it's kind of come into more towards the forefront for people that want to be able to send messages encrypted and keep anonymity. And so, one of the things that they've done was they've created blur tools or signal to where you can blur out your face before sending pictures. Not sure if it works with video, but yeah, so they're jumping on on the whole anonymity in pictures. So I, 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 I've used Signal for many years as my default SMS, and there's just been a, a, a few things lately that have kind of rubbed me the wrong way. This That's cool. It's fine. I don't know why if you're protesting you need to 
If you're legally protesting, I'm not. Sh- I'm no. not sure why you need to blur out your face. Well, I'll say in our countries, yes. In our countries, you're absolutely right. In countries like Hong Kong, you know, I don't want to say I would be comfortable posting a picture of myself, even peaceably protesting. No, I, I definitely understand that, but this is definitely geared towards towards the states, um, and it seems to be that it's more of a push towards uh, non-peaceful protesting. Um, I'll leave it. Well, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'll say try not to. My humble opinion is I try not to uh, connect intent with inanimate objects. Um, Nuclear is not good. It's not bad. It's nuclear. Um, What people do with them is up to them. Um, If you think they're actively pushing this, towards places where me and you, I think can both agree don't need it. Well, then that's something very much going wrong in their marketing department. Um, I'll say what I'll say, the way I try to describe signal is it's a protocol that works anywhere and everywhere that if you're using the same protocol, you're virtually guaranteed of complete privacy. The plus is it can communicate with outside protocols. So you can, in the Signal app, send text messages to people with normal phone numbers using normal text messages. Your side of the communication is still completely secure. The other side is completely insecure. Um, And I'll say Signal also creates stuff like Red Phone, where if you want to have a completely encrypted conference call with another person, like a phone call with one other person, Red Phone is the only way I know right now to do it, period. Um, they're both created by Moxie Marlin Spike, who I firmly believe in 20, 50, whatever years is going to be written about or YouTubed about, you know, whatever, as being a um, the closest thing we have to a digital freedom fighter who literally tries to fight for the good of people and not for organizations, not for governments, not for companies, but just for what he perceives as being good for humanity. And again, I, I think that it's... I've used it for a long time and I will continue to use it. And it is, it seems to be the only encrypted messaging app that hasn't, hasn't um, had any vulnerabilities. I mean, even telegraph and all of these other ones. Yeah. I don't like telegram. Telegram, I don't like virtually any of the other ones because when people say end to end encryption, it's like saying, well, I have a lock on my front door. Well, congratulations, but I hope you understand there's a lot more to being secure than just saying that one thing. Like in anything in this universe, you can't summarize anything with just a couple words. Everything is much more complicated than that, especially security. And I'll say a good example of security I had in the notes was, uh, it was like a uh, pictograph of uh, just how complicated that um, Android security can go. Oh, man. Uh, no permissions is what I call with it. your with your key Android. analogy your 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 door lock like it's you could have the most secure door lock the strongest door big steel door with the, you know like a, a vault to a, a bank and it just has a key to open it and guess what if your neighbor has the key to it it's not that secure well that and you leave every single window in your house wide open 
so what's the point of having that kind of thing? Um, okay, here's a link. It's only going to be in the dis in the notes. Going to be called Android Privacy Web because that's the only way I could really identify this. Um, and basically, this is just one application's example of when they go into a deep dive on what security means to them. Um, and it just like goes on and on. Like the for instance is communications. You take a look. They classify five of them. Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Skype, Viber, and Hangouts. And then they literally go through every single security setting that these things ask for. And they basically go through like what intent can happen when you grant, for instance, WhatsApp uh, permissions to your phone. Wow, this um, is beautiful. What a what a great graph this is. It looks like an eyeball with the nerves coming out from the cornea. Right, and this is the kind of thing that really no article written, even if it's 3,000 kind of words, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand the actual impact of it. He's going to have to use way too many adverbs into which people that are going to say, well, he's just over glorifying stuff. Seeing the infograph shows you everything that these things actually access. Um, it's insane. It's literally insane how many of these things access other parts of your system, which is why security is much more complicated than anybody even tries to pretend. That's why when we do an app on this show and I notice when it comes to permissions, it uses no permissions. That is guaranteed. I'm going to have this installed on my phone and be 100% comfortable with having it there because once you open the doorway to one bit of privacy, it seems like it just gets worse with each next level of privacy. Um, I think everyone like, you know, outlook.com, you know, outlook.com is never going to be installed on my phone. That's a perfect example. Yeah, Google's got the biggest piece of the pie, I think. Um, I, I think that everyone should look at this. This is a this is a really really nice graph. I've it, it looks like the Linux family tree, but in a in a round round yeah. format. Right, and I'll say, and this is another reason why I personally like progressive web apps. They need remarkably less permissions now. The yin and the yang means progressive web apps will never have as much functionality as natively installed apps. But you, as the consumer, have to decide what's more important, uh, convenience or privacy. And then when you give up your privacy for convenience, I just hope you inform yourself a little bit on just how much privacy you are relinquishing and don't think that's the final answer. This is not a Regis Philbin game show. You can always later go back and say, well, let me revisit that. And let me see now if there's an alternative to giving up this much privacy for that much convenience, because the only constant is change. And like, like the perfect example is I come look at DuckDuckGo and it needs like nothing, almost nothing access. Uh, other full network access, well, surprise, phone media storage, uh, it needs two bits of uh, information and that's it. You know, that to me is an example of thumbs up. Good job, DuckDuckGo. And apparently they're making so much money. I've now driven and I've seen two DuckDuckGo billboards. No, really? Wow. Yeah, blew my mind. Completely blew my that's mind. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of privacy, I'm going to bring an app here, Dor. Mm -hmm. And this is the Proton VPN free VPN secure and unlimited by Proton Technologies AG under tools. Uh, it's got 4.0 average reviews out of 8,106. 
And as far as permissions goes, it has view network connections, full network access, connect and disconnect from Wi-Fi, prevent device from sleeping, and run a startup, which I would expect. That sounds normal. Yeah, I would to me. expect from a VPN it has one million plus installs, version two point three point twelve dot zero, requires Android five point zero and up, and uh, it's from Proton, and there is a free tier where you have access to. I believe it's three countries, uh, Japan, United States, and one other one, maybe Netherlands even. Um, and, and like you, I think uh, it's nice to have access to a VPN. And I found, I've tried many VPNs, and this is fast. It's free. The free, even the free ones are extremely fast. So if you're looking for a, a good VPN, I would highly recommend trying if the people don't know what proton is it's it's a company out yeah. of switzerland and their whole mantra is security um, encryption they started with with proton mail and now i don't know how long this has been around but there's a, a vpn and i think if there's if there is a company that i trust to do vpn right i think it would probably be proton well, I'll say this, they have experience. And yeah, I always called the email client for this, not Proton. I called it wrong for like a year. Pronto. I kept calling <laughs> it Pronto mail. But yeah, Proton. Okay. This is the example of a company that literally focuses on privacy first, security second. And what I mean by that is they're an example of a company that stores nothing. Even if they get demands from their government to turn over in air quotes, all the information they can literally turn over all the information and the dirty secret is they log nothing. Okay. Um, now if you're in the United States of America and say, well, I don't know if I trust this country to hold my, okay. You're an idiot. Okay. Every government is beholden to the country that it's in. Okay. Every single company is beholden to the country that they're in. Every company is completely beholden to the country that they're in. You really have faith that whatever country you're in, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico, United States, Great Britain, that your government has your utmost privacy in mind. If you say the answer is yes, welcome to Idiotville. You're not alone. There's a lot of people like you. Um, every country has its own betterment in mind, not the individual's personal security Proton does everything in its power to not assist their government in violating your privacy. Um, I never have recommended a free VPN. This is a VPN I'm comfortable with saying, check it out. But after using it for a month or two, give them some money because this is not free. This is not free for them at all. Um, they do good work is the way that I'll put it. Uh, the other way I'll put it is they're doing God's work because look around He's not doing it. So somebody else has to do it. Uh, Proton Mail is doing it. Uh, them, private internet access. Uh, there's like two or three more that I trust when it comes to VPN. Uh, and these guys, you know, they not only mean well, but they are able to follow through. And like, you know, the old 80s movie, Swing Bada Bada, Swing Bada Bada. They did swing and they made a home run with basically everything that they do. And I agree that this is maybe the only free one VPN that I would that I would even recommend to to somebody. 
Um, even right. even well, some and, paid ones, I'm not sure that I would recommend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most paid ones I would yeah. recommend. But, but um, along the lines of like Signal, they have an email system where if you email somebody else inside of the Proton email system, you are assured no government will ever be able to see that email. That's how the system works. You own the encryption keys. Um, but if you email somebody outside the network, just like Signal, if you text message somebody outside of the Signal network, then, you know, all bets are off. But from what I hear, it is a very functional, very useful, full-featured email system. I've had one since, it, since I think they came out. It was very, very soon after ProtonMail launched. I've had an email. I, I haven't used it as much as I probably should. I know Ivor has got on board with it. Um, but the thing that they do is it's not just I'm going to go to Gmail, put in your password, and here are all your emails. You go in, you put your password to get into your email, and then you need to put in another password to open up your email vault, I guess would be a way to put it. Right. So it's not – it's that whole the whole Venn diagram of, of convenience and security, and it is – a you know, it's it's more annoying to have to put in another password. I've put in your first password, but that yeah, that's guess what? Another layer of of security. Right. Well, I, between me and you, don't want to say this out loud. I haven't given them a dime. I haven't given them no money yet because, like Patreon, I subscribe to 150 podcasts. I can't give them all money. I'd be po. My kids <laughs> be eating crackers. You know what I mean? I can't do that. So I haven't given them any money yet. Now. The day they implement Squirrel, um, secure, quick, reliable login from Steve Gibson, which he completely open sourced, by the way. He basically gave all the code away. And as soon as um, Proton implements Squirrel login, what Squirrel login is, long, very, very, very long story short, the server where you connect to via Squirrel can get hacked and have every single file that's ever been on its system copied and taken off and completely decrypted and completely analyzed. And with the Squirrel ecosystem, whoever gets that data will have no useful data and not be able to replicate any of your things to log in any place else. That's how secure Squirrel is. But it's as easy as your normal, common, everyday password manager system. You get prompted with a login squirrel on your Android device, on your Chrome browser, Firefox browser, Brave browser, Vivaldi browser, Edge browser, IE browser, whatever, interacts with the login session and in air quotes, logs in for you after you log in to the squirrel system using your master password. But there's no username, email address, and password. That's not how squirrel works. If you want to know more, listen to about six hours of Steve Gibson's podcast, Understand. So once they implement that kind of system into their ecosystem, I will then start to give them money because I, that means they're being proactive. That means they're taking it to that next level because I want passwords to die almost as much as I want every politician in the United States over the age of like 70 to die. I just thought of this is, is squirrel. It's almost like SSH for everything or that, you know, like a, uh, it's a password or a, a key. Um, it's a key pair. Is, is that how yeah. it works? But in order for somebody to implement it, they need to have your public key and then you have your private key. Well, yes and no. 
Okay. What happens is when you go to log in to a Squirrel-based website, part of the authentication is their, essentially their SSL cert, but it's their URL that only they can vouch for via, that's how TCP works. Not UDP, that's how TCP works, where the actual routing comes into play. That is like part of the equation. They pass it down to you. Then we, in, then with you, get the public key. You, with your private key, encode it, send it back up. So the only thing that goes back up is encrypted data that only you can create because only you have the private key back to that public key created by their URL domain name. It's says cert. So it's basically impossible to spoof. That's, a, is that, that's the same way that an SSH key pair works, is it not? And, and so it... Well, yes, no. I'll say if I log into your website via SSH using KeyPair, but then I'm DNS spoofed to another person's domain and they give me the impression they're the same URL, the SSH session will still As long free. as they have the public key, right? right. Well, as long as I believe they have the public key, yes. That was probably way too nerdy for just about everyone. I know. And Batchow just walked in and said, what the hell did I just walk yeah. into? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I apologize for that. And yeah, just a, a shout out to the to the chat room on on uh, YouTube. Uh, you're welcome, Mama Bear. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, maybe it's my mom because she says thank you, Josh. So hey, mom, if that's you. Right. And I'll say, uh, Bat Child, uh, no, no, thank you, sir. Um, if you at all are interested in video gaming news, I always say listen to Lennox Gamecast Weekly, partially because I love Ven's voice. <laughs> But in reality, if you want to have good general game content, you really need to check out Dual Screens. It used to be called Nintendo Dual Screens Podcast. Now it's Dual Screens Podcast. They literally cover everything like um, like they're getting some sort of physical reward out of it is the way I'll put it. They cover all the news, all the rumors, all the games. I hate interview podcasts. I really do. Honestly, I kind of enjoy their interview podcast. Literally like three episodes a week. It's hard to beat uh, Dual Screens Podcast. And if you want to hear my personal review of Dual Screens Podcast, again, The Revolving Door, I covered that about 20 days ago, I'll say. All right. I th think since we've been gone for so long, I think maybe we should uh, go through a couple emails here. Oh, yes. Okay. We have at least two that I know of. Which one would you like to look at first? Uh, I'm going to look from, from uh, Pete B. And so... His email was from the 12th of May. Sorry, Pete. It's been a while. Yep. <laughs> I was a full year younger then. <laughs> Happy birthday, door. Thanks, sir. And his email just starts, hi, guys. A few weeks ago, Twitter disabled SMS notifications on Twitter messages. I really like this feature because it let me receive text messages containing the specific tweets of people I care about. The Twitter app itself still lets me know that these specific people tweeted something but then i have to scroll through the search uh scroll through or search my feed to find out what they said i know probably all of you aren't big fans of twitter but do you know if there's a third-party twitter app or some other workaround that would let me receive text messages of specific users tweets here's an article that talks about the change and then he links to a verge article and then thanks for the help pete uh, Barini, I hope. Thanks for the email, Pete. And I know that uh, Ivor did did message back to Pete, but do you have anything? Okay, well, let's first... 
Okay, okay. He actually almost hit the nail on the head. He came so close. Uh, Ivor, I love you. Um, I'll give him 80% credit for answering this right. Okay. So the real question is, is, isn't, is there an app to do this, but is there a service that can do this? And the answer is yes. Okay. I'm going to give you three answers. These three things independently do almost the same thing, but you can customize them to your will. Okay. First, the paid solution, Zapier. Zapier is a web automation platform. You log into Zapier, you pay them pennies a day, maybe like eight cents a day, and then you can create basically algorithms. You can say, okay, now when this trigger happens, when I see a brand new tweet, Zapier, from this person, send me an SMS to this telephone number. Bang, you click it, you're done. It works. Second solution, if this, then that. They don't have a paid tier, only a free tier kind of thing. Almost as much functionality, but for this, exactly the same. You log in and you say, if this, then that. If this tweet happens from this person, then send me an SMS text message. Third solution, because I'm a nerd. Hi, my name is George Geek. Geek. I'm a Weird Al fan. Um, Hugin, H-U-G-I-N-N, H-U-G-I-N-N, Huggin, I guess. This is basically a self-hostable version of If This Then That, where you have to know some Python. And if you're okay with knowing some Python, you can create a web scraper that can access Twitter and say, when when there's a new posting from this Twitter account, you can then send your own custom email or SMS message to this phone number. Dirty secret is every SMS, I'm sorry, every phone number actually has an email account connected to it. Example, United States of America, Verizon, phone number at vtex.com will send an SMS message to a Verizon phone. Hi, again, this is Dordor Geek. I'm a nerd. Um, so if you want to own the complete stack from the ground up and you don't have to worry about Zapier going away and you don't have to worry about if this, then that, deprecating functions and features, Hugin, H-U-G-I-I-N, is the choice that can ma- basically give you complete control but then you have to admit you're now an administrator, not just a user. The, I don't know how many steps that this would take. I would imagine you could probably do it in one um, on Zapier because there's actually a free tier for Zapier as well. You're only allowed a certain amount of zaps, they call them, and there's only one step per zap. But I've used, I've, I've used Zapier quite a bit and it, it's a pretty powerful tool. It's a pain in the butt sometimes, but you can, it's amazing the type of things that you can integrate with each other with it. Yeah. I mean, and the real dirty secret is again, hi, I'm a nerd. The, there used to be a service called Yahoo pipes, which the first time I experienced it made parts of my body tingle how powerful the system was, but because Yahoo maybe is about as incompetent as some of the government's, they shut that system down. Um, it was maybe the most functional, flexible, internet-based, automatable service thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but now, thanks to the internet and thanks to Raspberry Pis and thanks to nerds, we have self-hostable solutions that we can take advantage of. And Hugin, Huggin, whatever, is just an example of one of them that, in my personal opinion, works pretty well. I think it's Hug-in. Like, you go to this place, you get a room... Maybe it's medieval times and you go to the inn and then you just hug. It's just a hug in. Well, then, well, then you're going to probably die from gonorrhea. I digress. 
Here's the description of it on the website. Huggin is a system for building agents that perform automated tasks for you online. They can read the web, watch events, and take actions on your behalf. Huggins agents create, consume, um, create and consume events, propagating them along directed graph. Think of it as a hackable version of if this, then that, or Zapier on your own server. You always know who has your data. You do. So this is the kind of thing you can literally put on a Raspberry Pi, put on an old laptop, an old desktop, or even host in like a, um, a droplet on digital ocean and choice. Choice is good. Yeah, this is great. This is, I wish I had more time door. This would be fun. That'd be really fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't drive you crazy, but it should be fun. And I mean, the, the good part about it is that the, uh, I mean, it's it's on GitHub, and the last commit was 15 minutes ago. So it was on GitHub, which makes me gag a little bit every time I see yeah, GitHub. Yeah, I've actually I'm moved sorry. to GitLab, but or trying to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, well, it's just nice that that it's being developed. You know, like 15 minutes ago, you can't can't beat that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, just a quick tangent because we've already been going long. Uh, the Motorola Razor. And the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2, both of them were the folding phones that everyone would said would change the world. Both of them, I think, disintegrated upon arrival. I'll say that. Um, they both have new versions of them coming, they believe, in like six months. So just a really quick question. Is it still plausibly possible? Even a skosh of a chance. Like if, you know, in the scene of Dumb and Dumber, if you were the last man on earth, so I, I have a chance. One in a million. Is there, right. So is there even a chance that these foldable phones could do some miraculous resurrection from the dead zombie-like thing and become actually successful? All right, what, what's the time frame here? Even in the next year? Uh, I, I, I don't year think out. this year. I think maybe next year. I did see one that was... Uh, I think it is the Galaxy Fold. I can't remember what it was, but it was a tri-fold phone, and that that got me tingling. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of being able to carry something compact and having it expand to be more functional and more useful. Um, but it literally has to be incredibly durable and be able to take like it, like uh, like uh, like a complete beating. Like I, I need to be able to really treat this horribly bad and have it still work. Um, ah, man. Okay. So here's what I'll say again, not surprised notebook check, uh, posted another article that really got my eye. Something tingled. Um, but I'm not sure what it was yet. Um, it's called tiny IO gear, G U D three C four sixty USB docking station. Turns your Android smartphone into a desktop. I said that slow because we all remember that fake tickle we got from Samsung Dex, which it promised it's going to revolutionize computing. It turned out to be incredibly dudful and forgotten about nearly completely by now um, because we went towards a more open ecosystem and a more generic kind of thing. So tiny IO gear, who I've heard of before, they actually do make pretty decent hardware kind of thing. Um, but it's going to have to be supported inside of your hardware itself. It's basically a small brick that connects to the bottom 
of your Android device via only USB-C. Uh, it says it can do HDMI out up to 4K 60 frames a second. Also does have USB pass-through so it can charge at the same time as you're using all the other features to it. Uh, it also has a USB full-size USB type connector and the ever-elusive 3.5 headphone jack. Um, this to me is bordering on the line of damn sexy to where I can literally bring this into work, plug my phone up to a screen and literally have a almost fully functional computer in my pocket. Now, because it's Android, there's certain limitations at play, but I have no problem also saying I can get by doing 90% of my computer task on a computer without a mouse. Hi, I'm door to door geek. I'm that kind of nerd. Um, so I have no problem in molding myself around the functionality that's presented to me. There's a reason why I can use Linux all day because I don't need windows to do anything. I don't need Mac to do anything. Um, I could do 90 something percent of everything I do on a daily basis on an Android device might take me a little bit longer here and there. Um, but it's definitely something I'm going to entertain. The only caveat I'll say is if you take a look, you scroll down about halfway, this thing gets pretty damn hot is what I'm going to say. Yeah. It looks like it's, it looks like a, an orange pie. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if that's what's inside. I'll say that. Um, and I believe you need to have what's called Thunderbolt 3 compatibility. I have never in my life looked at an Android device and see it say Thunderbolt 3 compatibility. So I don't know how you're going to know if this is compatible on your phone or not. Um, I'll say this. If you, the listener, buy this and it doesn't work, let me know. Uh, I will definitely do more research. I'll find what phones, how we can figure out easily what phones support this or not because it's only 40 bucks. Um, and if we can't find somebody to buy it from you in X amount of time, I will tell you right now, I will buy it off of you because I will have a device that this supports sooner or later. If it works, great. Well, they show it running on the Huawei Mate 10 Pro, uh, but they say that the 3.5 headphone jack doesn't work, which I'll say that's not a uh, um, like an end game for me, a stop game for me. But So I love the idea of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good idea. Good idea. Um, so let's, let's do another email cause we've got one more email. Let's okay. give Morton some love. Um, I was hoping that you would, uh, do you have that email door? I was hoping you'd, I yep. was hoping that you could just, uh, read the from part of the email. Oh, oh, thank you very <laughs> much, Josh. Morton. I yeah, love you. Morton. I, this is, I hope you have fun with this. Morton, y'all, Johannesson, Zoli, Bedger. I think that was maybe. I think that was pretty good. Oh, I'm sure I butchered it. He's from Copenhagen, which I will say, I really am the kind of guy I have no desire to really leave the country per se. But Copenhagen seems like a hell of a nice place with lots of nice people and good entertainment is the way I'll put it. Uh, so, Morton, you want me to give it a go, George, just so that we're even here? Well, it's up to you. He's in Discord, so as soon as he listens to this, I'm sure I'm going to get a ping where he's going to, in his own very nice European way, call me a mental invalid. Well, I would actually like to know how he pronounces it, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Morten Jul Johansson Zolda Fihera. Okay, anyway, I'm sure I butchered it as well. <laughs> as well. 
Um, his email is dear AAA team. And they said, like the A team, but with even more A. I like it. I was thinking about a solution for uploading to server and then deleting on the phone. I have Nextcloud set up to sync some things and Folder Sync Pro for others. Excellent tool currently on sale. But what I want to do is have files from a folder automatically uploaded and then deleted. For instance, if I have been shooting large video files, then just transfer them to my sync to my sync folder and forget about it. Since I have unlimited mobile data, it doesn't need to wait for when I hit my Wi-Fi. The point is that I would not want them taking up the space on my device, rather just sync. Any suggestions? All the best from Copenhagen, Morten Yul Johansson. <laughs> so we're uh, okay, talking so about Morten's email. Yeah, so I'll say, do you have any initial, dare I say, like feelings on how something like this could be addressed? Um, I think that, that the, the next cloud thing is good. I can't remember exactly. I thought there was a setting for uploading directly to Nextcloud and then deleting, but I know that there was an automatic upload to Nextcloud for pictures and video. And so, but I can't remember if there's, if there's an automatic delete function involved. Well, and I'll say that to me is that you just hit the most critical part at the fulcrum, if you will, because that's the difficult, most difficult thing to answer is not uh, syncing isn't difficult. Syncing is rudimentary. It's, you know, something that people have figured out for years, but you want to delete. And once you say you want something else connected to the syncing function on anything, I immediately, then I just start to think rsync. Um, rsync is one of those quiet tools that runs in the background, like a good a citizen of a country and then they don't ask for nothing. They just want their family to be happy and want everyone else to be happy. But secretly it's actually the back end of a crap ton of backup utilities, synchronization utilities and tools on all operating systems, Windows, Mac and Linux. They all use rsync. Okay. It's like Steve Gibson says, why recreate security encryption when it's already figured out? Okay. Why recreate how to do copying and backupping and cloning in complex fashions when rsync already exists. Um, now, with that said, um, the good news is Android is a shell on top of Linux. Android is not Android, okay? Like back in Windows 95, yes, you were running Windows 95, but secretly you were actually running DOS. And then the wrapper on top of it was Windows. Okay, so the application I'm going to give is basically called rsync wrapper, R-S-Y-N-C wrapper. Um, the advantage to this application, I'll say, is if you know and understand rsync at all, okay, you can load an application, I do believe it's Windows, Mac, and Linux, uh, called grsync, G-R-S-Y-N-C. And it's a good platform to prototype, to develop, to customize rsync routines because it will let you simulate your commands before actually telling you know, doing it so you can actually see what's going to happen before it happens. And then you copy the code out and then you can put it in this tool called rsync wrapper. Um, 
With rsync, you can say, keep these two folders completely synchronized. If I delete from A, delete from B. Or you can say, keep B completely synchronized with A, but if something gets deleted from A, don't delete it from B. Or you can say, um, only uh, show me files that got deleted from A, then only delete them from B. The choices are near never ending when it comes to rsync. Um, rsync wrapper is the only tool I've ever used on Android to do this more complicated synchronization tool. Um, I will say the only problem comes is it's going to want to connect via something like uh, SSH to do its task. So you're always going to have to have access to that other server. Um, SSH, number one rule, if you install on any device, first thing you do is you go into the config file and you change the default port. 2222, anything but 22. The default is 22. And then once you do that, you can route it through your router. Now we're getting more advanced. And then you can easily use this tool to keep things synchronized. Um, and it will let you choose whether you want to repeat this task hourly, daily, weekly, or never just run it once. Uh, this is the kind of thing you really don't want running every second. If you're copying pictures over, my logic is you can say every hour should be fine. Um, and then basically you say you can have another task running that says after every hour and like a half or whatever, delete all these, everything in these folders. Does Tasker do things like that? Can you set up Tasker to, I know you're in the same boat as I am with Tasker, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. What is it? Well, I'm 99% sure Tasker t can do it, but I'm also 99% sure Tasker would have to rely on having another tool to run some components of it. Because uh, Tasker is more orchestration. So you'll either have to have the base commands installed on your Android device or be able to access applications and say, okay, now run this application that does the task. Now run this application that does the delete. Well, that's what I'm talking about, though, um, is being able to orchestrate what you were just talking about with with rsync wrapper and and then being able to delete and using using tasker as almost a kubernetes type of of uh orchestration see I, that's the thing i i'm not positive you need both okay i would say first just start with the um rsync wrapper which you know you're gonna have to put your propeller hat on no matter who you are and you're going to have to, you know, remind yourself of how these things work, even if you consider yourself advanced. Uh, the other app I'm going to say, because I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of Tasker, but I'm really not a fan of Tasker. Um, so another application I'm going to put in the reply to Morton is by uh, Benjamin Lim. Uh, no in-app purchases, nothing like that. It's called Cron Scheduler, Benjamin Lim Productivity, 28 Reviews, E for Everyone, uh, updated September 9th, 2017. Why? Because why would you need to update something that accesses cron? This is like basic, uh, 5,000 installs, uh, permissions. It is going to need to run it at startup and that's it. Um, cron is like saying in windows task scheduler only the graphical interface isn't really completely there. Uh, like for instance, if you want something to run every, uh, I think it is four hours. You have to put in the cron scheduler asterisk space or tab. It accepts both the number four space or tab asterisk space or tab asterisk space or tab asterisk space or tab RM space dash RF 
space slash SD card slash download slash star dot star, which will every four hours delete everything in your download folder. With great power comes great responsibility. With great demands comes great nerdism. And cron is as far as uh, I mean Linux goes. It's it's a can't live without it as a tool, really. Well, if you don't know what it is on Linux, there is an insane gap in your knowledge portfolio. Is what I'll say, uh, because it is so powerful. Yeah, just <laughs> Google cron job. Well, like con job. Yeah, people have people have gotten jobs and made careers off of just knowing cron. It's free. I like free. You like free? Free as in beer, <laughs> or free as in freedom? Is there a bad free? <laughs> free on, I guess. Well, it was good for comfortability. It just wasn't good for anything else. Hmm. Super quick tangential hardware news. OnePlus is returning to their roots of affordable hardware with the goal of not maximizing profits. Uh, they're coming out with what they say is the OnePlus Nord, which I will say I've heard multiple rumors about the price. Uh, some people say below 500. Some people say closer to 300. Um, I doubt it's going to be close to $300. I have no problem saying that. Uh, but it's going to be the OnePlus Nord, where the goal is to maximize functionality, maximize quality hardware while keeping the price as low as possible. Um, this is, I don't want to say this is what they needed to do because they've been doing fine. They don't have to listen to me. Okay. But this will help re-energize the people who did buy the one plus one or the one plus two or the one plus three to being back on the bandwagon of being one plus fans. Because let me tell you something, the one plus seven T I now know three people that buy it. It is a awesome functioning phone feels great in the hand works butter smooth. I have no problem saying runs faster, smoother, slicker, quicker than any pixel device I've ever seen. How's the mouth feel? Um, it's just, um, I personally haven't stuck in other people's phones in my mouth. Um, but it's just a bit pricey for me. You know, I'm a government employee. I got money to throw around. So when the one plus Z is what they used to call it. Now they know it's called the one plus Nord comes out. Uh, I'm literally encouraging more than a couple people who are looking for phones right now. Wait, wait at least three or four weeks, see if this thing gets launched, see how much it costs, see where it's going to be available and in what markets. Cause I'm 99% sure it's going to be completely compatible with AT&T and T-Mobile. Um, and their last one was compatible with Verizon. So there's a good chance this should be able to run on a network by you. What I'm seeing is July 21st. So yeah. I don't understand the significance of the word Nord. I think I went most of my life without hearing the word Nord, and now over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of Nords. I almost take it as like, uh, we are the knights that go neat. I don't understand it at all. Um, I do know it means something. Uh, okay. I mean, it's Nord is, is Nordish, like North Scandinavia or Vikings and things like that. And it means North. Literally, it means North. Huh. But... South was taken. Well, I mean, South has this like natural instinctual thing of being negative, um, you know, down bad, up good <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I'll say it's definitely a multicultural thing. It's a French, Romanian, Cantonese, Danish, German, Icelandic, Italian, Norwegian, and Swedish word for North. See, you found uh, Wikipedia as well. 
I, yeah, I'm a fan of Wikipedia. And I did give them money this year too. I, I gave Wikipedia $50 this year and I gave Mozilla 25 bucks this year because I definitely use Wikipedia more. Um, so I guess maybe their real market is the EU. Maybe that's what we can take from maybe it. Maybe it's the popularity of, of the show Vikings or some Vikings shows or something. Um, what, what I wanted to mention before, which I didn't, was as far as Proton goes, and I'm, I'm curious about your opinion on this, as far as giving people money, you know, you said Wikipedia, for instance, you donate to them, and it's sort of, and this goes down another rabbit hole with LibreOffice and, and things like that, but open source software where where you can just donate what you want. You know, I think that a company like Proton should have that option of being able to just use the free service, but give them $10 a year or whatever you want to spend. I think that would be a, a good door for the business model. Yeah, I mean... What I'm going to say is not a popular thing to say, but I believe it's truthful and rarely is what's truthful is completely comfortable um, and nor is what is completely truthful or probable the right way will be what everyone agrees with and likes. But as far as I'm concerned, the haves in this universe we call the universe the haves should do everything in their power to help the have-nots. Um, I am perfectly okay with taking what is considered in the first world excess money and giving it towards somebody who is putting a service out there, a product out there, a thing out there that I find useful to any measure to help subsidize the people who literally do not have the free money. Um, if LibreOffice tomorrow said if the main open competitor to Microsoft Office said, look, if you want to use these features X, Y, or Z, or whatever, you have to pay X amount per whatever, I would probably do everything in my power to do that. Um, as long as I believe that their intent is to keep feature creeping to new greater things, but also they're doing everything in their power to help support the people that they know cannot afford that product. Um, if they are able to do both of those things, if they're able to be the yin and the yang, if they're able to safely burn both sides of the candle, if they're able to navigate that trickery way called being profitable enough, but being charitable enough, then that's the kind of company that I have no problem supporting. Um, whether it's Proton VPN or whether it's uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia has no ads. And I think it has no ads thanks to people like me giving them money. Not that I'm special. I'm one of millions of people that do that. Uh, and if you don't go out of your way, because if you have enough money to once in a while stop and buy a Starbucks coffee, or you have money enough money to just willy-nilly stop and just buy something without thinking about it, then you have enough money to help support those who support you and that support other people. Um, and I think we all need to once in a while just, you know, check our role and just look around and see who needs help. I want to push back a little bit on the, I mean, I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you on most of that. The, the issue I have or the pushback would be as far as the business model of being completely open source and then switching to having some some features 
being behind a paywall that I don't agree with. I, 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 I agree with the red hat model or the, a model of everything's free. You can pay for support. And if they're going to do that, then fantastic. I agree with that 100%. But this is my understanding is of the situation is this is how uh, Nextcloud actually started was that OwnCloud started doing this exact same business model of all of a sudden now some features are behind a paywall and Nextcloud said, okay, or, you know, one of the, one of the founders of OwnCloud said, that's not what we signed up for. You know, this is not why I started developing this app is so that, you know, we can, we can keep it from people. And so there is actually with Nextcloud, there is the, the business Nextcloud basically, which you're paying for support, but I don't think that there are any other features that you get by paying for the Nextcloud service that you wouldn't get in the open source free service. You're just getting that business support. And so that is the model that, that I'm comfortable with for open source software, not the, okay, now, you know what, you are not going to get these features. We're only going to give that to paid customers. Yeah. This is an Android podcast. So sorry, people, but Linus Torvald said it maybe most appropriately, which I'm going to butcher in my attempt at recreation of what he said, but the most healthy thing in a software ecosystem is the ability to fork. Um, it's the ultimate on guard. It's the ultimate coup de gras of if you're not doing the right thing, I will take everything that you call you and I will create my own independent stack of it. Um, it, well, here's what I'll say about the next cloud own cloud encounter time-lapse fork thing. It wasn't just that they were charging money, but he thought they were going down an immoral and unethical road that he thought would just lead to end users being much less happy. It wasn't just the open core model where the core is open, but the amenities cost money. Uh, it was, it, it was more than that. Um, and that's why I'm okay with Libra office doing whatever they do, whatever they do. If it is not the right choice by public opinion, by majority of people, a fork will happen. And then six, eight, 24 months from now, we're going to be using something else called open office two. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, something else because the beauty of having near anarchy in software development is one, nobody's going to die Two, the cream really does rise to the crop. When you have something open with the ability to fork, you are assured what the majority of people believe is the right choice will win every single time. There's not an instance where a project was forked and what a majority of people didn't think was the right thing didn't win. Okay. It's happened time and time and time and time again, which is why I'm a huge fan of open licensing where you put everything out there and for the world to look at the world to examine security professionals to audit and other people to try to mimic and copy where if you do your right thing as a development community and you offer exemplary customer service with top notch features with actual support and an interface that just is butter smooth. There is no chance you will ever lose. Unfortunately, each one of those things mean never ending nonstop work. 
and LibreOffice said just to continue the environment they have open. Right now, they're losing lots of money. So, which means people are not voluntarily giving them money. Um, every project will come to a vexing point in life to where if we're not charging money, how are we going to get money? Do we want to try to do drives, you know, like the old telethon for the handicapped like kids? Wikipedia. Kind of that's what Wikipedia does. Or Wikipedia. Yep. Do you want to put a banner at the yep. top of your software? When you open up LibreOffice Writer, do you want to have a banner pop up once in a while saying, hey, hey uh, maybe you could support us. We're poor. Do you like us? We like you. I love you. Can I have money? Or something. Uh, because that's part of the thing. The advantage that subscription services have is you have to interact with them in order to get what you got. So it's very easy for them to slowly, methodically, and in a very open nature, update terms and agreements. With downloadable software like LibreOffice, it's not as easy. Uh, they have a difficult road ahead. And I'm very interested to see what choices they make. Um, live by the sword, die by the sword. Um, in like six months, I might be saluting at their gravestone with a bugle, you know, marching off taps. Or a year from now, I could say, man, they made some really good choices. Well, yeah, it's, I believe, uh, I mean, maybe, it, maybe it'll be free office will be the next one, but LibreOffice was a fork of open office to begin with. And uh, yeah, the, the ability to fork as you had quoted, uh, Linus is fantastic. And I would imagine that he probably said that right after he developed Git in the first place, pretty good, uh, selling point. Well, I mean, the dirty secret is LibreOffice was, um, what was it again before LibreOffice? Oh, open Office. office. No, oh, 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 still, open there's, there's office. still, there's still, still Open Office. Just, yeah. Right. I know, but Open Office went Apache licensed under Apache Foundation. Before that, it was Star Office. I can't remember what killed Star Office. And before that, it was something else. Um, evolution by natural selection is not only a real thing. Dramatic pause for life forms like single cell microorganisms or for complex multicellular mitochondrial driven organisms, but also for source code, also for development platforms, also for IDEs, also for applications. To make it unabashedly rude to people, survival of the fittest, which was not an actual statement nor is actually accurate, but it gets the gist across. The more open something is, the more ethical and moral they are, the more other people are going to support them, even if it costs money. Because everybody is perfectly content with spending a little bit of money if they get some convenience with it. And I can tell you right now, every time I use LibreOffice at work, I, you know, I install it without my job's permission. But whenever I create a new document, I always create it in LibreOffice and then I save it as an open document format. And thankfully, all Microsoft ecosystems will open those documents up like it never had a problem and no user even knows it's created in, in an open document format and it just works. And I'll say every Android application I've ever tested and tried that supports LibreOffice supports those documents like it was made on them. The, the advances are incredible over the last five years. Seems to be fairly exponential as far as open, open source and Linux, basically. 
I think that this conversation is probably more suited for Linux for the rest. Also, a PodNuts podcast show and several other shows that everyone should be checking out if you haven't already. That was my uh, my selling point, or Yeah, and I'll just throw out there, and like PodNuts Pro with Marvin, his uh, passion is... It, it it's hard to compare with other podcasters because he's definitely on top of things. He does good work. He does, and Jeff's show, yeah, and Matt, yeah. There's this is a a great network, and someday we should all buy an island and go live. Well, as of right now, I still work for the government, so I can't afford it. Um, I will say, uh, what I've been doing now in practice is when I publish the podcast, I've been putting every single article, link, note that comes across my radar from the last show. Uh, literally with this show, there's 63 links. We didn't even talk about 20 of them. So I encourage you, if you are what you consider to be an addict, dare I say, of Android ecosystems, mobile technology, maybe even progressive web apps, just peruse the notes. If an article header or an article description tickles your fancy and you look at it and you say to yourself, self, why didn't these two idiots talk about this topic this is fascinating then you can send us an email at aaa at podnuts.com you can send us a voicemail at 706podnut.com or you can join us on platforms like discord technically we have a facebook presence i don't really log into it but technically it's a facebook presence no 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 it's bruce patterson from linux for the rest of us who manages that uh we do have twitter presence if you ping me directly i can respond I'm not going to promise I will, but I definitely can respond. Um, or, as always, you can just join us live. If you want to join us live, again, on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord, we try to post links when we go live. We try to go live Thursdays at 9 p.m. since I'm in insanely less amounts of pain. As long as that continues, there's no reason why we can't keep doing more stuff. Um, we uh, thank everyone for their downloads. Thank everyone for their supports. Now, since it's been nearly two hours since I hit record, and I was really only thinking about doing a 20-minute to 30-minute podcast, do you have any parting words there, Josh? Thanks, everybody in the chat room. Um, Ivor, we miss you. Come back soon. Uh, it's been great to be back here and chat with you, Dor, and, and be able to interact with people. And please, please keep the emails coming. Join the chat room. Dor says 9 o'clock. But that's wrong. It's actually 6 o'clock Western Pacific Standard Time. So it's not that late for everyone. And that's the only time that matters. The only relevant time zone, actually. Right. So I'm going to leave these parting words. Take a look at the notes, and you can just search for RK3588. RK3588. It's number 32 in the notes, okay? Rock chip hexacore processor in a TV box triples as 5G connectivity, Wi-Fi connectivity, and a router plus home automation gateway. Technically, it's like a Kickstarter. It's a theory kind of thing, but an Android TV box with all those different types of connectivity, great failover possibilities, what I'll say, uh, including home automation um, possibilities make this an actual thing that really could come to play. Uh, it, it's on uh, cnxsoftware.com. These are the kind of things that we didn't have time to talk about. So again, if you think we should have talked about them, 
just let us know. Uh, and until then, I want to thank everyone for their downloads. Thank everyone there for their supports. Thank everyone for their communications. And thank everyone for being patient and not complaining that we haven't been able to do shows as frequently as Ivor would like, as Josh would like. And trust me when I say I would like to do. So with that, I love everybody. Really good to talk to you guys. Be safe and take it easy. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.